Daniel chapter 9, we'll read a few verses there. And consider how this man Daniel, such a stalwart of faith, such a stalwart of information, such a stalwart of willingness to be used as God would use him, how he can be an example to us as children of God. In Daniel chapter 9, verses 17 and 18. Daniel is there praying, and he says, Now therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications, and for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. Let's bow our heads together and ask the Lord to bless us this evening. Heavenly Father, we do come before you, Lord, asking for your blessing. Certainly things that we don't deserve, naturally speaking, but by the blood of Jesus. Father, you've made us worthy of receiving from your hands all the riches, Lord, that you're willing to give. So we do ask, Father, that you would give us the riches of wisdom, the riches of deeper faith, the riches of understanding, Lord, of this timeless and eternal and wonderful word that you have given to each one of your children. Bless us now in it, Father. Strengthen us to understand and to engage with you as we are called to, as your children, your people, your loved ones. I praise you this evening. Bless it to us, I ask, Father. Be glorified, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, saints, you know, just considering this lesson and the concept behind it, I've been thinking about the kids a whole lot. Uh, This morning, I was just talking with Molly literally minutes ago about this morning. I kind of had an encounter with Kinsley and enjoyed it. You know, she doesn't talk much, doesn't, you know, we don't have deep conversations, myself and Kinsley. I don't think I'm her favorite person anyway, but uh, it's nice to interact with these kids. And I enjoy, of course, my grandchild. I talk about her often, my great niece, my great nephew, great nieces, actually. All the young people, certainly, but. You know, I watch these kids, and I always am intrigued and, and, and enjoy watching them as they develop, not just physically and in their natural capability, but intellectually, and how they engage with us. And here's your title for you about being engaging children. And I enjoy young people, starting all the way to the youngest, that engage with grown-ups well. I do believe, and I've been told this as our kids were, were growing, and I went to parent-teacher conferences. I never knew till I had kids that parent-teacher conferences could be good things and be pleasant, pleasant things. They never were when I was a kid, but uh, uh, be that as it may, you talk with the parents and the, or the teachers, and the teachers would express to us, you know, your kids are good at engaging. I'm not throwing bouquets at them. I'm just saying, well, facts are facts. They said... They're good at engaging, and we told them how we went to church four times a week, and they said, well, probably because they go to church and they see people of all ages, of all types, you know, and they talk to those ones, they engage with those, kids, with those uh, adults, and it helps them to, well, just be kind of well-rounded and just, you know, well-adjusted type kids. You see them engaging well. Now, there are young kids that don't engage well. Sometimes, you know, the kids around here can not want to engage with you at all, and they won't give you the time of day. <laughs> you talk to them, and they're like, see ya, I'm not talking to you, old man. And they, they head off, and they don't engage well. You know, that's all right. Sometimes it's because they're a little bit overconfident in themselves, perhaps. A little bit, a little bit arrogant in the moment, and they're like, eh, I don't need to talk to you, and that's fine. You know, they're a little self-focused in the moment, and that's fine when you are 
one, two, three years old, it's no big deal. Sometimes it's those kids that aren't confident enough. You know, they, they get intimidated. You know, here's this guy with a beard and white hair, and he stands up there and, and screams at people for you know an hour at a time, and it can be kind of in, intimidating. Maybe they don't want to engage. They feel a little bit, well, self-conscious or perhaps not confident. Uh, I enjoy when they get old enough and they recognize, I can engage here with this one, with this grown-up, and you can actually see them at a relatively young age talking and having a conversation with a grown-up, with an elder. And you can see them as they then go on from that, and they can carry that, well, carry that capability outside of these walls. Develop those social skills. I enjoy that. Uh, As I was thinking about that with the kids here recently, uh, the Lord kind of put on my mind and put on my heart how it is when we engage with Him. Now, obviously, we're His children. And obviously, well... We have an opportunity in prayer and in talking with the Almighty God to engage with Him. And sometimes, well, sometimes we aren't entirely confident in coming before Him. In whatever circumstances it might be, we don't feel entirely confident to speak to Him, to worship Him in the manner that He's supposed to be worshipped, that He's supposed to be spoken to. Sometimes we're a little bit overconfident when we come to Him. You know, Perhaps we speak a little bit... Well, arrogantly, I guess. Uh, Perhaps demanding things or at least expecting things that we want and we're not getting. That's what we're going to consider this evening. Just how how we might engage better with the Lord and take this man, Daniel, and a couple of others that I have put together here as examples in how we engage with him and how we can develop our, our means of communicating with him in that vein. Now, if you look in our text here, Daniel is praying to the Lord. And as far as the way that he engages with his father, when you consider, you know, if I'm talking to Sage, obviously, I'm a bit older than he is. I have a better vocabulary than he does. And, and we, again, it, most of the, well, most of the capabilities on my end, right? Most of the capabilities certainly on God's end when we approach him, right? Even Daniel, even a man with such capability in the Lord, with such experience in the Lord, even even before chapter 9, uh, such experience with Him. He had capability, but standing before the Almighty God, as we even considered this morning, it's not, it, I mean, the scales are completely out, outweighed. But that being said, Daniel avails himself pretty, pretty well in our text there. He approached Him with confidence, uh, not arrogant. He approached Him also with humility, without you know, being weak and just wimpy before the Lord, he still came to him humbly. And, and he did all of those things, uh, well, the way that we're called to. And so we're going to look at him here for just a little while, uh, back in our text here. We see that he makes some requests to the Lord, and he does so humbly and confidently at the same time. Now, therefore, our God, what does he ask? He says, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications. And for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. Then he goes on to say, oh, my God, incline your ear and here. And so as he's making these requests to the Lord, he prefaces those ones with, listen to me. Listen to me. You know how it is when you have your little kids and you set them before you and they're like, or they're looking this way or they're looking to see who they can play with next or where they can go with next. And you say to them, listen to me. You know, it's not arrogant. It wouldn't be arrogant to me if one of these young kids walked straight up to me Perhaps if I'm in a conversation with someone else, you know, they could wait. But they go tap, 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 
Can I say something? That's how I see Daniel doing it here. I'm not trying to belittle this or make it look like something less than what it is. But he says, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications. If the kids want to come and ask me something, they can understand that I want them to do this. When we go to the Lord, He wants us to do this. He wants to hear from us. So when Daniel comes to Him humbly and yet boldly asking Him, hear the prayer of your servant and His supplications, He's doing the will of God just in asking that. Incline your ear and hear. That's Daniel telling his expectation. You will do what you've told me that you will do. You will stretch your ear out. You will look down upon me and consider what it is that me, who am unworthy, what I'm asking of you. He asks him these things. Listen to me. I do enjoy my conversations with those little babies most of the time. But kids will say the silliest of things. There used to be that show. I don't know. Someone, for some reason, Art Linkletter is the name that rings a bell. But I remember Bill Cosby sitting there with some kids and prompting them to say some of the darndest things, I think, was the name of, of the show. Uh, and they do. Young people, when I say young people, I mean these little ones. They say some funny things, man. They're entertaining. Uh, some of you won't even know what an Avon lady is, but the Avon lady came over to my house, when my house, my folks' house, when I was three years old. She was sitting there and showing my mom all the latest in cosmetics and all that sort of thing, and I walked up to her and I said, that's full of bull. That's what I told her. I don't know, that might sound a little bit crass coming from the pulpit. Man, think how it sounded when I was three and I told her, that's a full of bull. My mom was not happy about it. My mom was not impressed with my saying that. Kids say the darndest things. And we say those things because kids say silly things because they don't have the maturity to know otherwise. They don't contribute to a conversation because they don't have much experience to contribute to a conversation. So it is very much on the other end, the grown-up's end, to accommodate and to make concessions so that that kid can engage with them and do so in a manner that is entertaining on the one end and beneficial on the other end so that they might learn that this is good, this is all right. Even if they ask for silly things, even if they're limited in their thought, even if they're limited in their understanding, Even if they ask for marshmallows for dinner, it's still something that can be a beneficial and a profitable thing for that one to learn. Content aside, understanding in this manner, I can trust this one to hear me. And that's what Daniel did. He trusted the Lord. You're going to hear me and I can ask you to do this. Now, once they reach a little bit of an older age, once they do mature, those young kids do, they don't only say silly things. They, I mean, they still do until <laughs> they get to a much older age, perhaps. But they have a maturity about them, and they can start to get things. They can start to understand. Daniel was a mature child of God, and he wasn't the only one that we can see. We're going to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1 and look at this woman, Hannah, as an example Uh, Perhaps not held in the same intellectual esteem as Daniel, but she was an example of faithfulness in her own right. Don't sell her short. While we're turning over to 1 Samuel, understand what Daniel was asking for. He was asking the Lord, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary which is desolate. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city which is called by your name. He was interceding on behalf of the people of Israel. He was not asking for silly things. He wasn't asking the Lord for marshmallows for dinner. He was asking for things that wouldn't just benefit him, but would benefit God's people as a whole, both there in that time frame 
and us today as we study these things out. Whether Daniel fully realized the extent of what he was asking for, I'll leave alone. But he was asking for things that were beneficial and mature in faith. He was asking for blessings. Hannah wasn't asking for silly things either in 1 Samuel chapter 1. You understand Hannah was barren. She was mocked by her husband Elkanah's wife Peninnah uh, for not having children uh, when Peninnah could have a number of them. Uh, and so it says that she made a vow, Hannah did, in verse 11 of that first, cha- first chapter of 1 Samuel. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. That's not a silly request that she was asking there. Uh, she wasn't being precocious, as sometimes we can call eh, snotty kids. Sometimes we can say, ah, oh, they're just precocious. That precociousness is cute in, in its place and in moderation. Hannah wasn't being spiritually precocious here and, and poking, just asking for something just on a whim. And I'm so tired of getting picked on by this other... No, she was asking for something with the intent of making this exchange. And I do believe that there are times when the Lord can even prompt us to want something that He wants to give us. Uh, what do I mean by that? I mean that... I think the Lord wanted to do a work in this man, Samuel. And I think that perhaps he put it on this woman's heart to desire, allowed this context to happen where she was getting provoked and prompted so that she might be, well, not just curling up in a ball in discouragement, but be driven to her knees to ask the Lord, Lord, deliver me in a number of different ways. And while you're at it, if this should be so, what does it say that she'll do? I'll give him to the Lord all the days of his life. No razor shall come upon his head. He will be an example. He will be a a covenant of sorts between you and me, Lord. And you can do with him what you choose. And we know that the Lord chose to do substantial things with Samuel. And we also know that he made good on that vow. Um, She made good on that vow. He let her have that child. Samuel was one of the great men of of the Old Testament, we understand. And Hannah engaged with the Lord made that exchange with him, and followed through on things. She showed depth. She showed maturity. She showed faith. She showed understanding. She showed that she understood what blessing uh, took place there. Look at the next chapter in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 1. She engaged with the Lord in this second chapter. This prayer that we've considered, we've had studies on this ourselves. Hannah prayed and said after Samuel came, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. He has exalted me. He's lifted me up. He's given me power. It's a picture of strength. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. And she goes on to identify God as the righteous judge of mankind. She goes on to identify his sovereignty. She goes on to well, recognize that she was humbled before his grace. Understanding. I came to him and I asked him for this. I told him I would do this for him. And he enabled me to do that as well. I have nothing but praise for him in this. I have nothing but but confidence in knowing that I can come to him. He can enable. He can do things. He can strengthen me to do what I've promised to do. She recognized that when you engage with the Lord, it's a blessed procedure. It's a blessed process and it's a blessed outcome as you allow him to bless She learned what it was to approach the Lord boldly and to be blessed in that situation. I value this example, that testimony that's there. 
she was well, a mature child of God that engaged well. We see another one in Luke chapter 7. Let's turn over there in the 7th chapter of Luke. We read of this centurion who wanted to engage with Jesus face to face. What a blessing that would have been. What a just a, yeah, what just a, well, blessing is not enough, a good enough word. Just an experience that it would have been to see him face to face. We will ultimately, and I'm grateful for that. In Luke 7, we read about this centurion here. Uh, Luke 7 in chapter, or verse 3. Uh, we understand that his servant was near death, and he wanted Jesus to heal him. That's putting it in a nutshell. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. Now Daniel was bold to come before the Lord and ask him for something and say, hear me, listen to me, here's what I have for you. Hannah was bold to come before the Lord saying, here, this is what I want specifically. And if you do this, I will give you him, I'll give him back to you and you can do with him as you, as you choose. How bold is he here, this centurion? He called for the Son of God to heal his servant. That's bold enough. But how did he engage with him? It uh, says that he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. Okay, maybe that was just how things were done, and maybe he was busy and that sort of thing. We understand that there were times in that day when people would cry out to the son of David, have mercy on me, and they say, quiet, don't trouble the teacher. And there were other times when they say, don't trouble the teacher, the, the child is dead, and etc. They didn't want to trouble him, and they kept prim and proper and that sort of thing. So... Uh, we understand this one wanted him to come and heal his servant and didn't even come to greet him when he agreed to do it. He didn't trouble him. It says here in verse 6, Then Jesus went with him. And when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him further. How dare he just send friends to him and not come out and greet him, not come out on his knees, not come down and lay prostrate before Jesus? How dare this one? Say, I'm not even good enough, you know, or Jesus isn't good enough that I'm even going to step out and speak to him. We know that that's not the case. It's something so ingrained in me, the opposite, that I have a difficult time even setting it up sarcastically. Uh, he didn't just send friends to him because he thought that Jesus wasn't worthy. He sent friends to him because he thought that he wasn't worthy. This was humility. Um, it wasn't arrogance. It wasn't self-importance. And uh, we can keep on reading here, where it says, saying to him, he sent those friends saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. For I, am also, I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come. And he comes, and to my servant do this, and he does it. Now listen, there are a number of people a number of people I've heard present this as though this really was arrogance. Look at him flexing here, saying, I'm someone in charge, so I get this. Between two people who are in charge, you know, you do this for me and, and I understand this. No, I don't see that here. I see this one actually quite humble when he says, I am one who has people under me placed in authority. I think that what he's saying is, Jesus, you have everything in your authority. You are over everything. I understand what authority is. Mine pales compared to yours. I have authority over mere men. You have authority over all things, including sickness, including death, even if he doesn't say this. We know Jesus to have that authority. 
And he said, I'm not even worthy to come and have you come into my house. Jesus recognized it, right? This man engaged with Jesus in a godly manner. Even if he didn't go and engage with him face to face, he did it in a boldly humble manner here. He got it. He recognized Jesus' authority, recognized his own lack of authority in the things that needed to be done in that moment, and he sent to the Lord and let him know. And if you don't believe me, go on and finish it in verse 9. Jesus speaks for himself. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent, returning to the house, found the servant well who had been sick. He blessed that one for engaging with him in the manner that he did. Not necessarily how Daniel did, not necessarily how Hannah did, but it was right all the same. Now, all three of these ones that we looked at here, Daniel and Hannah and the centurion here, and so many more, are children of God who engaged with him well. Not just with the boldness to say what you want. Not just with the boldness to come before and say, listen to me. Hey, listen to me, and then roll out a silly request. Or to, you know, quietly just in your heart put out there what what you want, or to send someone in your stead. No, it was all all the same thing, just presented in different manners. It wasn't just just them asking for stuff. It was with humility and understanding the position that they were in and the appropriate manner in which to come to him, the appropriate manner in which to engage with him. It's not appropriate right now for anyone just to say, Hey, Greggy, (laughs) what would you have for Thanksgiving? Can we talk about it after service? You know? It wouldn't be fitting right now. But afterward, wouldn't it be completely fitting to come up in that time? For Daniel, it was fitting in the moment to bow down prostrate and lay before the Lord. Be struck down, as it were, to lay before him and put up his requests with tears and and sackcloth and ashes and all of those things. Hannah prayed as she walked in front of Eli, muttering, mumbling to the extent that Eli the high priest thought that she was drunk. Centurion sent to Jesus, perhaps not prayer as we know it, but sent his friends to him to speak to the Son of God and say, this is what I understand. You are the authority. I have this much. You have all of it. And he approached him and engaged with him in the appropriate way. Saints were called to engage with the Lord and do so appropriately. Timing can be different. The needs can be different, and those things can vary. I don't pray the same way every time that I talk with the Lord. I don't seek Him in the same way. Sometimes I pray while I'm reading the Word. I always pray before I get into the Word to prepare. Sometimes I pray in my car. Sometimes, sometimes Allie will say, what would you say? And I'm like, just talking with the Lord. You know, she, might, she doesn't ever say weirdo because she understands how it is. Sometimes I'm just talking with the Lord in real time. Even it's engaging with the Lord and I have improvement myself to make. We can always improve in our capability of engaging with the Lord. Daniel wasn't only asking for stuff and neither should we. Back in our text in verse 18 of Daniel chapter 9, he recognized and he stated his understanding there of the grace that was present for him, that he in him of himself wasn't worthy of coming before the Lord and just merely asking for stuff. But the Lord gives him that capability. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. Because you have 
called me to do this because you've condescended to us. Not anything of our doing grants us this grace. Nothing that we have done has made us worthy. Going back to these kids, you know what? You take any 55-year-old woman and any 3-year-old kid, and if there's a conversation that's taking place between those two and they aren't related, it's by the grace of that 55-year-old woman. Do you understand what I mean when I say that? Because there's nothing that three-year-old kid, barring just being beautiful. we got some beautiful kids around here, and it's fun to look at pretty things. But that kid has nothing to contribute. If they're not related, nothing to contribute. And if that 55-year-old woman allows them to talk and has a conversation, it's because she's being kind to that one. You know what I'm saying? She's demonstrating grace to that one. She's engaging with that one when that one, on a natural level, isn't worthy of that conversation. Do you see what I'm saying? So it is with the Lord. Not anything of our doing. The fact that he allows us to speak to him is his grace. We can be bold before God only because of the grace of God. And so we see the statement that Daniel made here. We see shades of it. Well, in this age, Titus chapter 3 and verse 4, Paul says it clearly. You're familiar with this passage, I'm confident. When the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. Wash, or through the washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. And because of that shed blood, we can approach the throne of grace boldly. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, Hebrews 10, 19, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, we are able to step before the Lord into that holy of holies. That place was isolated. We were isolated from it because Jesus shed his blood for us. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. My doing was the crimson stain, and his doing was washing it white as snow. We understand this. Jesus had not yet come when Daniel was present here. But Daniel recognized that the capability that he had to stand before and engage Jehovah was something that was won on God's part, not on his. And he was blessed for it. Hannah She understood it too. The centurion, they understood measures of this grace here. They were blessed by it as well. The centurion had a healing. We recognize that. He was blessed in his exchange with Jesus. We're blessed in recognizing the words that Jesus said regarding that centurion. Hannah's womb was opened, we understand. But you understand also that it wasn't just merely that she had a kid. that that, that, That was the culmination of her blessing. Or do you believe that perhaps... The engagement she had with the Lord and the relationship she built based on that birth taking place and the provision that God had, that that was indeed the deeper blessing. That's what I think that it was. I believe that certainly those other things, those tangible things, healings and the like, those are good things. But it's that engagement and that growth in faith that we have by coming before the Lord, having an exchange with Him, a dialogue, if you will, and it being fruitful in our own relationship with Him. Look at Daniel. How was he blessed? After engaging with the Lord there, after making requests of him, after understanding the grace that allowed him to stand before the Lord, being only on God's part, what did the Lord do for him? Well, he gave him a bunch of troubling visions. (laughs) Gave him an understanding of some tribulation that was to come, some deliverance that was to come, certainly. 
but some issues that were yet to come for God's people. He saw visions of war. He saw visions of judgment. He saw visions of tribulation that were to come. You want to know how Daniel felt about these things when he came before the Lord and asked for healing for his people and guidance and wisdom for his people? He says there in, 10, in chapter 10, verse 8, Therefore I was left alone when I saw this great vision. Just one. Just one vision. There were a number of others. And no strength remained in me. For my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. A couple of verses later, suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees in the palms of my hands. Saints, sometimes when you engage with the Lord, well, it can move you. It can impact you physically and not necessarily comfortably in the moment. Sometimes when we engage with the Lord and we have those one-on-one conversations with Him, we don't always come away feeling warm and fuzzy. We don't always come away with the baby that we wanted, in Hannah's case. We don't always come away with the healing. Sometimes we come away with information that, man, I wasn't, I'm not sure I was ready for this. This is, this is something that's a little bit weighty, a little bit burdensome. Moses asked me, show me your glory, Lord. And he came away with a face that was radiating so much that it, well, it scared people. It was a burdensome thing. It's a weighty thing, and it can move us. Daniel chose to engage the Lord, and the Lord engaged with him. You know what? Younger people, maybe not the kids as the babies his age, but I've had some conversations with some young people where they came up and perhaps they need to be dealt with something about, perhaps. Or just having a conversation where, well, you come up and you ask a question, sometimes the answers that you get are a little bit more than you were expecting or a little bit burdensome. As you get older, saints, you understand. You're, well, you have more stuff put on your shoulders, more awareness of things that... Maybe you weren't entirely ready for it or didn't feel so. That's where Daniel was at. He chose to engage the Lord, and the Lord says, okay, let's engage. But it's a blessing nonetheless. Look at verse 20 of chapter 9. Daniel was encouraged in his blessing in the Lord. He was encouraged in this engagement that he had with the Lord, and the Lord let him know, you're doing just fine. Now, while I was speaking, it says, this is after he made this prayer to, to the Lord. While I was speaking... Praying and confessing my sin. Man, that's humility, man. Bringing that before the Lord. Confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel. And presenting my supplication before the Lord, my God, for the holy mountain of my God. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. And he informed me and talked with me. And said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. The Lord blessed him in what he was asking. You know, the Lord doesn't always give us what we want. The Lord doesn't always give us at all what we would desire. The Lord doesn't always give us what's comfortable for us. You know this. It's probably a theme that occurs in probably two out of three of the lessons that we consider together. The Lord gives us things and allows those things to come into our lives. But when we take them from his hand, as Daniel did here, you recognize there's a blessing here. I mean, there, there is more than just blessing. Daniel engaged with the Almighty God, and the, God brought in help here. He spoke with Gabriel, for goodness sake. I mean, there was, there was an exchange here and some confirmation from the Lord for Daniel being in the place that he was intended to be and doing what he was intended to do. That's encouraging to our faith. And I'm confident and encouraged Daniel as well. Uh, while I was speaking in prayer, 
that man Gabriel came. He was sent immediately. Gabriel tells him that, as a matter of fact, later on. He says, while you were making your supplications. Well, where is it here? Um, There in verse 22, he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out. As soon as you started praying. There's a command, and the command didn't come from Gabriel. The command came from God. God knew what was in Daniel's heart, knew what he was going to say. We always pray, or at least oftentimes do, Lord, you know these needs before we even mention them. And he does. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out. And I've come to tell you, for you you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. And then he dropped some, well, some truth bombs on him. Some things that he needed help understanding, and we still have difficulty understanding today. But just because there's difficulty understanding there, just because it was hard for him to hear, and just because the things that he did understand when the Lord presented him weren't always pleasant things, there's extreme blessing there because he took the time and made the effort to learn how to engage with the Almighty God. Saints, just the concept that we can engage with him, that we can speak with him, it's pretty remarkable. And the fact that we can come boldly before that throne of grace that we say so often and not in lip service, I trust, that we can come before the throne of grace boldly, that's exceptional. But when we can ask him with expectation for an answer and knowing, well, he's going to do exactly what he wants to do and we can be a part of that perfect will, that's blessing on top of everything. Again, not what we ask for, perhaps, is what we're going to get. Not what we want, perhaps. And perhaps we don't have much to contribute to that conversation. Lord, I don't, how many times have we said it? I don't even know what to ask for here, Lord. But I know you're listening. And I know that you've called me to bring this before you. So as Hezekiah did, let me fold out this letter and just present it to you. And you do what you choose, but know I am on board with you. I am with you in this. I am this tall and you are this big. And yet you have still called for me. To come and engage and pray to you and speak with you and get on board. Let me be on board with you. He wants us to. I'll wrap it up by looking just at a couple of verses here in Matthew 19, verse 14. You think God doesn't want us to engage with him? Jesus said, let the little children come to me. This isn't just the cute little kids, which certainly was the case when he was walking there. He put his hands on them and blessed them. Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Guess what? It's not just little kids running around in heaven. It's his children in the kingdom of heaven. We're his children. Not little kids, naturally speaking, but in comparison to the Almighty God, we're we ones. He says, come to me. We are the little children that he is beckoning and calling. I will be a father to you, he says in 2 Corinthians 6.18, and you shall be my sons and daughters says the Lord Almighty. Saints, if you find yourself not contributing to the conversation with the Lord, if you find yourself not having conversations with the Lord, learn how to engage. These little ones here, I I think that it's a blessing for them to be here four times a week, to speak to people when they're willing. (laughs) Speak to me. Speak to other ones that are bigger, smarter, Uh, different than they are so that they might understand as they grow older. They have an understanding of how to speak with different demographics, different people other than just kids, and to do so in an engaging 
and a well-adjusted and a kind and an intellectual manner. I think that that's good on a natural level. How much more? How much more should we practice and invest in our capability of engaging with the Almighty God? So that as we grow, we can have a conversation where we won't ever contribute as much as he does. But I sure would like to have that conversation. And I value those conversations I have with the Lord where I come to him and say, this is what I think I'm supposed to be doing. And he tells me, yes, man, that's an encouraging feeling, not an arrogant feeling, but it's a confirming feeling. And it lets you know, well, you're on your way. You're progressing in the Lord. Saints, don't forego your privilege to engage with the Lord God. Engage with Him in bold humility, as I always say, and you will learn how to have that well-adjusted relationship with Him and be blessed in it. Engage with the Lord often. Amen.